Matthew chapter 16, reading from verse 13 to 27. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you think, people, who, who, do, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly, strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day, Lord, as we could come into your presence once again as a family on this Sunday morning and remind ourselves of, of who you are and what you did for each one of us sitting here, Lord. Lord, as we continue to sit for some more time in your presence, Lord, I ask of your blessing of this word, Lord. I want to commit uh, Emmanuel into your hands. Speak through your son, Lord that uh, we, uh, as your children, that we might be able to listen to your word, that we may be able to understand it, that you might give us the wisdom to understand it, that we might be able to uh, apply it in each of our personal life, Lord, and that it might benefit each of our spiritual uh, life, Lord. We just want to come with these things in your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Good morning, church. Thanks, Johnny, for the reading. It's a pleasure and a great privilege to once again present God's word to you. So this morning, we'll consider a few things from the book of Matthew and chapter 16, verse 13 to 27. 
as we uh, just read one of the most important passages i would say uh, in the whole of scripture uh, here is the portion where we have peter's great confession and we have the revelation uh, that the lord jesus gives to peter and also to his disciples so we'll be looking at this uh, portion let's uh, straight away get into the in, into the text so as we just read uh verse 13 to 17 where we see the lord asking his disciples what do men say about the son of man whom do men say that i the son of man and then the disciples reply that some say you are john some say you are elijah others jeremiah and others one of the prophets now if you see all these men were great men they were not ordinary men they were great prophets of god they were mightily used by the lord i mean and they were great men but then he turns to his disciples again and says but whom do you say that i i am and there peter gives this reply reply thou art the christ the son of the living god thou art the christ the son of the living god and so in in chapter 16 was 13 to 17 we have his character being revealed to us the character of our savior lord jesus christ he is the christ the son of living god now as i told you all these men john the baptist elijah jeremiah they were great men they were legends or great men but they are but but christ is more than a man but christ is more than a man and hence we see that when he ask peter he is able to confess that lord these all are great men but you are christ you are the son of god and there he affirms the deity of the person the 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 the, the, the messiahship of christ and the deity of christ now in this world there are always two views about christ you know there are two categories of people who think differently about christ there is this one group of people in this world who say that christ was a great man a great prophet a great teacher you know i was uh, i was reminded of gandhi who said once that christ is one of the great teachers of mankind and then i i also remind i was reminded of napoleon bonaparte he once said i know men and i tell you that jesus christ is no man i know men and i tell you that jesus christ is no mere man between him and every person in the world there is no possible term of comparison alexander the great caesar charles the great and i have found empires but on what did we rest the creation of or genius upon force jesus christ found his empire upon love and at this hour millions of men would die for him so the point is 
the whole world the majority of the whole world they regard christ as someone great they regard him as one of the greatest teachers one of the greatest prophets but that is not enough what does the church view what does a believer view of christ what is your view and my view among all the millions of this world there is this small of group group of people who is you and me who confess to the lord jesus and before god the father as we did even this morning that lord you are the christ you are the son of living god we confess that you are god himself the deity and not a mere man and that's very important you know when the lord jesus when he first asked uh the question he says whom do men say that i the son of man am if you observe when the next time he asks the same question he doesn't use the phrase son of man that's left out he says whom say ye that whom say ye that i am the world thinks him thinks about him or puts him in the category of great men but we to us who have believed the father has revealed that christ is not not mere man but he is the very son of god he is very god himself now at this point i want to ask you one question what is your view about christ what do you think about christ there are many times for us who are born in christian families we have been taught about christ from our childhood and our view about christ gets limited of him being a great man a great prophet of somebody whom we should follow and read but let me tell you that's not enough that's not enough the view that the father reveals to us the church the view that the father reveals to his beloved is that he is god he is the son of god he is messiah and so it is very important to have the right view about the lord jesus christ if there be any one in this gathering who have known about jesus but have not known the lord let me plead with you that you know him as the lord messiah god himself one who came into this world to die for sinners and save mankind he is god himself it is very important that we know god we know that we know christ as god intended uh, it to know to us and it's not the mere knowledge about him but it's a personal relationship that matters uh, to to us and so let me encourage each one of you that we have the right view of christ and the right view comes is revealed by god the father himself look at verse 17 verse 17 the lord in response to the confession he says bless and jesus answered and said unto him blessed art thou simon barjona for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my father which is in heaven blessed art thou you are favorable god has brought 
you and me into a favorable position with with him and he has revealed his son unto us what a great what a great privilege what a great position what a great favor and this morning we as the children of god were worshiping god for that very reason lord what did you find in us that you showed so much favor that you showed so much grace blessed are you and indeed my dear church we are a blessed people not because we deserved not because we did something but it was god who chose to show that favor upon us and we let us be grateful for the privilege for the for the great grace and favor that he has shown to us but deciding to reveal the person of christ to us not flesh and blood but my father which is in heaven not flesh and blood but my father which is in heaven one can sit and read the whole bible and know about christ and yet not know christ as messiah and the son of god it's possible unless the father reveals us a son it is not possible for us with a human intellect with our human effort and with our human reasoning to decipher and understand christ as messiah christ as a son of living god it is an act of god it has to be revealed from god and so in 13 to 17 we have his character presented to us we have seen what's the view of the world and we have seen what is the view of the church or his elect and we have seen who reveals the person of christ it is god himself it is god the father from heaven moving on was 18 to 20 we have his church was 13 to 17 after revealing his character immediately after that we have his church being mentioned was 18 it says and i say also unto thee that thou art peter and upon this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it one of the one of the most famous passages in fact uh, any 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 uh, any church if we are going to study about church this is the portion that we start with we begin with and here the lord immediately when he says that it is the father who has revealed my character my personality to you he says and i also look at that verse and i say also he's building on the confession he's building on the revelation that was given to peter and he says i say also and he says i am going to give another revelation to you and that revelation for that revelation to come it is essential that we have the revelation of christ as messiah as the son of god and i say also unto thee that thou art peter and upon this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell shall 
not prevail against it. The revelation of church is right in the middle of the revelation of his person. And if you look at the next few verses from verse 21, we have the revelation of his death suffering on the cross of Calvary. It sits right in between. That speaks of how the church and Christ are inseparable. It speaks of the importance of church. It sits right in the middle of his person and of his death on the cross. It speaks of the importance and inseparability of Christ and his church. And we'll look at a few things from these verse, from this verse 18 before we move forward. And, it's, and he says, I will build my church. The church as a building and Christ the builder. The church as the building and Christ the builder. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to 22 we can read that. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the spirit. Here we see Christ as the chief cornerstone, the foundation of the church. And so the church has a divine foundation, it has a divine builder and it is, it is built by God himself and by Christ his son and by the spirit. And today the Lord continues to build his church. It is he who is building and you and I are fellow laborers, are co-workers. And that's what we read in 1 Corinthians 3.9 that the Lord has given gifted men. He has given gifts to the church, to gifts to men and women so that you and I could build one another. So that you and I could build the church of God. And we are fellow laborers, co-workers with God and Christ in building this great in this great church for him. One question that I wanted to live before moving forward is, are we building or are we destroying? Are we building God's temple or are we destroying God's temple? What is our contribution in the building of this great house of God? Do we care about the spiritual and physical needs of a fellow believers? Do we faithfully minister to them? Do we faithfully use the gifts that the Lord has given to us so that we might edify one another? If not, we are not building his we are not building the temple, but we are destroying it. Let us build one another in love and unity and not cause any destruction or damage to this temple, to his church, which is the habitation of God. Another aspect that I wanted to bring here is that it is an habitation of God. God 
dwells in our midst. God dwells in our midst. The church of Jesus Christ that we are referring to, of course, as all of you know, is not the brick and mortar, but it is you and me, the living stones with which it is built. And it is a living organism. It's not a dead building. And it thrives with life. Because it's made of living stones. And it is God who resides in here. God is in our midst. Do we feel it? Do we act accordingly? When we come into church and when we move in the church, do we feel the presence of God in our midst? As Hansel rightly pointed out this morning, it can become a mechanical event, week after week, day after day, coming in at 9 and living at 11. And that's been trained to us to most of us who are born in Christian houses from a childhood. God is in our midst. Do we feel Him? Do we come to witness God act in our midst? Do we come to see Him? Or do we come to hear a sermon about God? May the Lord give us grace that we be mindful of this building of this building which God builds of this building which is his own habitation and so we see the the church being presented as a building and Christ the builder moving on in verse 18 he says my church my church I was fascinated and I spent a lot of time thinking about that my church that phrase caught my attention that pronoun is very critical there it doesn't say our church it doesn't say your church it doesn't say their church but it says my church and so what does that point us to the point is it speaks about the unique relationship that the church has with Christ her Lord it's a very unique relationship that Christ enjoys with the church now in uh, back uh, back in bombay i have a i have a f- good friend of mine uh, so i remember his whatsapp status once you know he had put his photo of his wife and his son uh, and 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 the whatsapp status read as uh, mine only mine and three exclamation marks uh, and i thought about it for quite some time you know about that that photo and the state and the status mine only mine and so I thought, uh, his son is not only his, meaning his wife has equal, uh, has equal share in that. Uh, the son is equally his. And so uh, I thought, okay, it's okay for him to say his wife is mine, but I think the kid, that doesn't work. It's not logical. What's the point? The point is, the relationship of a wife, it's unique. Now there are multiple individuals who can call the same person as father, mother, brother, sister, son or daughter. Think about it. There are multiple people who can claim one individual with these titles. But that doesn't work with a wife. It's unique. It's unique. And hence, we see the church as a bride. The bride of Christ. It 
enjoys a unique relationship with Christ and Christ he enjoys the church and it is for this church he died on the cross of Calvary no other can claim it no other none other no other man can claim ownership of this church it is but Christ and Christ alone who is the head of the church it is Christ and Christ alone who uniquely has a relationship with this church Ephesians chapter 5 we'll read a few verses from there to support this point Ephesians 5 verse 25 a familiar portion Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He gave himself for it. Christ secured us, secured the church with his love and with his life on the cross. He secured us with his love and life. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it it with the washing of the water by the word. He not only secured us with his love and with his life on the cross, but he sanctifies us with his word. He sanctifies us with his word. And look at verse 29. For no man ever ate his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. He not only secured, he not only Sanctified, but he also supplies for every need of the church. He nourishes and cherishes. He nourishes and cherishes. I just looked at the meaning of those words and I was really thrilled by what I got out of it. It nourishes. He feeds the church. He literally feeds the church. And isn't it true that we feed on Christ who is the bread of life. He is the manna for our souls. It is on Him we feed and it is through Him we survive in this life. Cherish. That speaks of warmth. That speaks of warmth. The name of Christ, it cheers our soul, it warms our hearts. The presence of Christ and His people, it is that which warms our hearts and minds and souls. He nourishes, He cherishes, He feeds and warms us. As I close this thought, I would leave you with one question. What are we feeding on? Are we feeding on Christ? Or are we feeding on the world? Where do we find our warmth? Is it in Christ? Or is it in the world? We need to feed on Him. And we need to find warmth in Him and Him alone. A song that comes to my mind is I'll, I am his and his, he is mine. The song, a very beautiful song. I'll just read a couple of stanzas for you. Loud with everlasting love, led by grace that love to know. Gracious spirit from above, thou hast taught me it is so. O oh, this full and perfect peace, O oh, this transport all divine. In a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. In a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. His forever, his forever only his. 
who the lord and me shall part are with what a rest of bliss christ can fill the loving heart heaven and earth may fade and flee first born light in gloom decline but while god and i shall be i am his and he is mine but while god and i shall be i am his and he is mine my church christ emphatically says this is mine do we enjoy that unique relationship that christ has with us or are we running after other loves the other love of the world let us think about it and let us give it a thought moving on and the next part he says and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it the gates of hell shall not prevail against it the gates of hell is a is a is a idiom it's a phrase and that sums up all the power and forces of satan the gate the gates signifies the seat of power if you remember in genesis 22 we read that the thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and we read about lot that he sat at the gate of sodom we read about boaz that he sat at the gate and he made the other leaders also to sit at the gate when he had to settle the matter concerning ruth and so the point is the gates of hell which sums up or which which represents the whole force and power of satan attacks the church and it continues to attack and that's what the lord he says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it they attack and they continue to attack but the lord gives us a blessed promise that they shall never prevail they shall never prevail when i was reading i was reminded about little bit of history the roman empire with all its mighty men with all its money it attacked the church but the church stands the roman empire is gone and can be found only in the pages of history the church stands she stands despite being bearing all the persecution through persecution from the empire the greeks with their colossal intellect they attacked the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity in christ but she stands the greeks the intellect of the greeks have gone but the church stands the legalizers the, the, the judaizers who, who thought that they had one of the oldest religion they came out and tried to destroy the church and all that is that belongs to christ by saying that you need to follow the the law and all that and they said that we are the oldest religion the church she stands the devil he continues to attack the church whether in big or in small format but he does but the lord has promised that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and hence she stands she stands clothed with the royalty and righteousness which the lord has given to her and she will stand as long as time exists and also beyond time why why is it possible it's possible because she is the body 
of an exalted head, of the risen head, of the risen Savior, and hence, she has nothing to fear. She has nothing to worry. She is the body of an exalted one. Look, come with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and we'll read from verse 19 to 23. Verse 19 to 23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In NIV, NIV it says, sorry, in NLT it says, for the benefit of the church. He gave, verse 22 it says, he gave Christ as the head for the benefit of the church. The church has an exalted one as the head. One who has subdued principalities and power. The one who has given all might and power and dominion. The one who has all things under his feet. Such an one is the head of the church. And we are his body. And hence, because we draw the power from the risen head, the church stands and she will because we are the body of the exalted one of the powerful one my question that I would like to live with you is are we living a life that shows the power that has been given to the church are we living a life that would change the world upside down didn't the first century Christians we read they were unlearned men they were ignorant men fishers, fishermen but yet we read that they through the power that was given to him given to them by the Lord they changed the world upside down and let me tell you that we still have the same risen Lord is our life making any impact is our life showing the power of Christ? And I leave that thought with you. And so, verse 13 to 17, we saw his character. Verse 18 to 20, we saw his church. And we'll look at verse 27, where we see his coming into this earth, or his calling into this earth. And the verse reads like this, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again that the third day. From that time forth. From that time forth. Once he had revealed his, his character, once he had revealed about his church, now he reveals about his calling in this earth. His purpose of coming in this earth. And he says that I must go to Jerusalem. I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. 
of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raise again the third day his suffering and death and resurrection was very new to the disciples they didn't understand they didn't follow i think peter didn't follow of what what christ was saying and hence he took him to the side and rebuked him lord it be far, be it far from thee that such a thing would happen to you even though the whole of old testament he it writes about christ there are mentions about his suffering there are mentions about his death on the cross but the disciples did not follow they did not understand and let me tell you unless the lord unless god reveals to us from the scripture it is impossible for you and me for us as men to understand the scripture with our own intelligence with our own efforts with our own wisdom it is god who reveals it is christ who reveals and so after the revelation about his character about after the revelation about his church we see the revelation about his death for the church his death on the cross and then was 22 to 26 we read about his call to the disciples his call to the disciples and we'll look at it very briefly so peter like any other man he thought logically and he went and rebuked christ peter's ideas were fair were absolutely fair and reasonable but they were ideas of men and not of god they were things of men and not of god and that's what the lord says in verse 23 when he says for thou savest not the things that be of god but those that be of men the things of god was as the things of men they do not go hand in hand for most of the time and you and i as a church which has been called out as an ecclesia we are called to follow things of god we are a different breed of people and we cannot be compared to the world we cannot think like the world we cannot act like the world we cannot dress like the world and we cannot walk like them and for us everything that happens in our lives we praise god and we thank him and we know that god is in control and our ambitions and goals has to be consistent with what god wants us the things of god and the things of man the world is different from us they are born once but we are born twice they are citizens of this world but we are citizens of heaven they are mindful of things of this earth we should be mindful of the things of heaven they work by logic we work by faith they have their roots on this earth we have our roots in heaven and hence they will find us inverted because our roots 
is in heaven and yours in earth. And hence they will find us contrary. But let me tell you, when God sees us from heaven, He will find it to be normal. When God sees us from heaven, He will see us as normal beings. The things of God and the things of man. Luke 16 verse 15 that the Lord says, the Lord Jesus Christ says, the things that are highly esteemed among men are an abomination to the Lord. The things that are highly esteemed among men are an abomination to the Lord. He says that in a different context of money. But the point that I wanted to bring to your attention is the way God sees and the way man sees is different. It's different. And what is your calling? What is your and my call from God? What is your call from our Savior Lord? And let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 verse 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. We are called to seek the things of God and not of men. We are called to seek the things that are above and not below. The things of heaven and not the things of earth. Moving on quickly, we'll look at verse 24. And if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We are not only called to seek the things of above, but we are also called to deny ourselves. We are called to take up the cross and we are called to follow him. We are called to deny ourselves, called to take up the cross and called to follow Christ. Deny oneself. Just few few days back, uh, I think... Uh, after, after the meeting at Sujay's place, we were discussing about retaining our own individuality. You know, we all are unique beings. We all have our individual characteristics. How, and how difficult it is for us, some, for us to maintain that, that characteristics when those characteristics don't conform to Christian principles or does not conform to Christ. And that's what the Lord calls us. The Lord calls us to deny ourselves. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ and no longer I live, but it is Christ who lives in me. It's not my life, but Christ who is living my life and through me. Deny oneself and take up the cross. A man who has taken up the cross... He loses all his rights of citizenship. He loses his, all his rights of living on that, on that place. He is destined to go. To go forever. And as citizens of heaven, we, when we take up the cross, we proclaim that we no longer are people of this earth. We no longer are citizens of this earth. We no longer have any rights on this earth. But we look forward to the place that God wants us to wants to give to us. 
and we go and follow him. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 to 14. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Let us go forth without the camp, bearing his reproach. Bearing the cross which stands for all shame and reproach. For we are no longer seeking a city of this city. We have no continuing city. But we seek one to come. And so the call that the Lord Jesus Christ gives out to his disciple. It looks backward to the death of Christ on the cross. And we take encouragement from that. And it looks forward to the reward for you and me. And verse 27, we have that reward. So, let us be encouraged as the Lord calls us to seek the things from above, to deny ourselves, to take up the cross and follow Him, that we have an example and the example is Christ who has followed His calling into this earth faithfully. And let us look forward to the reward that Christ would give us. Very quickly verse 25, it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Verse 25 says, You can't keep your life. Verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You can't bargain for your soul. And verse 27, You can't Hide from the coming Savior. I was reminded of the quote from Jim Elliot. He says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives, who, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And finally, verse 27. We see his coming again. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father, and with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his work. This morning Jobin read from that portion where we were reminded about Christ coming in his glory. He came once in his meekness to die for us, and now he is going to come back again in all the glory to reward every man according to his works. And very quickly I would like to summarize and conclude. Verse 13 to 17, we saw his character. Verse 18 to 20, we saw his church. Verse 21, we saw his coming into this earth. Verse 20 to 26, we see his calling for his disciples, his calling for you and me. And, once, uh, and verse 27, we see his coming again into this earth to reward him, to, to, to reward us. And so we see the great revelations that the Lord has given. The revelation about this person, the revelation of church as a building, the revelation of church as a bride, the revelation of church as a body, the revelation of his death, the revelation of his call or the nature of the call to his disciples and the revelation of his coming again to this earth. My dear beloved 
brothers and sisters what a great revelation we have this morning with us christ he has spoken his heart to us he has communicated his the innermost secrets to us may we enjoy christ in our lives and may we follow him with all hearts may we find him and him alone to be the nourisher and cherisher of our souls may god bless his thoughts and god's name be glorified Praise God for speaking through Emmanuel this morning. Good morning, church. We have a whole lot of visitors with us this morning. Uh, as I call out your names, I request you to please stand up from where you're seated or quickly raise your hands so we can meet you and greet you after the meeting. We have uh, Brother K.V. John and Elizabeth John, Asha, Asha Mama's parents. We have uh, James Isaac and Lizzie James, parents of Jason, Karen, and uh, Kezia, back with us. We have uh, Frenchie, Lynn, Persis, and Danny from uh, Kilpock Assembly. This is Jesslyn's sister and family. Welcome. We have uh, Mercy Joseph, uh, Betty's and Barney's mom, visiting us. We have uh, evangelists Yuvaraj uh, from Coimbatore, from God's Grace Ministries, and Tamil Sevan from Dharmapuri. Welcome. We have uh, Benny Philip and daughter Irene from uh, TMM Brethren Assembly. Welcome. We have uh, Jisho Femi's husband back with us. Uh, we have uh, Brother E.J. Stephen and Suja Stephen, Sam's parents from Mumbai. We have uh, James back with us from Sharjah. We have uh, Peter Lobo, Priscilla Lobo, and their two sons, Philip and Paul, from Tani Assembly. Welcome. And we have uh, Evelyn's family from Kerala, uh, Reginald George, Sheena, George and Ryan. Sheena, George and Ryan. Welcome. Let's welcome them with a round of applause. We have our meetings for the week. Uh, we have a, a, a quick summary of how our meetings uh, happen at 9 a.m. We have our worship and Lord's table at 10.05. We have our ministry from God's Word. Next week, Ravens will be bringing it to us. At 10.45, we have announcements. At 11.05, we have a quick break. At 11.25, we have our Sunday school, uh, which is on a break and resumes on the 10th of June. This week, we have no meeting. Uh, Jason has requested all of the uh, Sunday school teachers and volunteers to stay back for a quick meeting at 11.25. So since we have no meeting today, we request all of you to enjoy a time of fellowship. We have meetings for the week. Sundays at 3.45, we have a Hindi fellowship. This week, uh, this week it's at 6 p.m., and it is at Ben and Daniel's home. At 8 p.m., uh, we have our uh, Bible study at Dumlur. 
this week it is at Ajit and Merlin's home. At 8 p.m. on Wednesdays, we have a cell group at Kodamangla. This week it's at Sergeant and Shilpa's home. On Thursdays, we have two meetings which happen simultaneously. HSR layout a Bible study at Galbert and Kenzie's home. And the cottage meeting this week at North Bangalore is at Pradeep and Liti's home. On Fridays at 9.30 in the morning, we have a cell group for those working in evening and night shifts. And it's at Raven the Angel's home. We have a few student groups that also keep happening, and all of them are in a break. We have our monthly meetings. Uh, the next fasting prayer is on the 8th of June from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m., and uh, the place is yet to be decided. As was mentioned, our CBF camp for 2018 is from the 12th to the 14th of October. I request you to save the dates and also apply for leave. Birthdays and anniversaries. Ronnie. Isaiah. So we have our uh, CBF rendition of a happy birthday song. Happy birthday to few prayer points. A matter of praise, so let's pray for, uh, we've, we've been praying for Jerry and Blessy, uh, kidney transplant, the surgery was successful, let's continue to pray for complete recovery. Let's also pray for Pradeep who is back from the U.S. There was a quick prayer point, uh, my wife had a small burn incident the other day, uh, she's, she's recuperating and recovering, uh, let's pray for a full recovery and no further complications. We'll also pray for uh, Emmanuel who is traveling to London for a couple of days, for five days this evening. Before we close for prayers, I request uh, George Chan to come forward. Uh, we have and pray for one more person who's leaving, with, who's leaving us this week and also close in prayers. Same. Morning. Morning. Okay, we want to, uh, we want to pray uh, especially for uh, Evelyn. Evelyn, where are you? You stand up wherever you are. Oh, come over so everybody can see. So Evelyn has been with us for a few years while she was studying here. And she'll be uh, leaving, um, leaving us and moving on. And, uh, and she's also getting married. So congratulations uh, on that. So we just want to commit you to the Lord in prayer. And let me just uh, read one verse for you. Uh, counsel and uh, prayer for you uh, from Ephesians 5 verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, uh, this time for Evelyn, and we want to also thank you, Lord, that that um, uh, for your uh, presence, your guiding presence with her, Lord, these uh, past couple of years that she's been uh, here in Bangalore studying. We thank you, Lord, for helping her to complete that course of study, and also, Lord, for uh, the um, <clears throat> for your uh, guidance and your leading in her marriage, Lord, and for making provision there. We do commit into your hands as she returns to home and also, uh, Lord, as she moves into married life, we want to pray for her. We want to pray, uh, oh Lord, for her family life as well, that you will bless her and uh, her soon-to-be husband, Lord, that you will help them, Lord, to establish themselves on the foundation of your word and to, uh, and to build a family life that uh, honors you, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that, uh, that everything she sets her hands to, uh, that you might prosper, Lord, in the days to come. We want to commit her into your hands once again. And we give you all the glory and the praise in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, uh, you can sit down. Uh, I, I feel like singing a song. Uh, so I'm going to ask, where's Daniel? If you can just come back. Let's put up that song that Emmanuel had. I think we don't have a second meeting today. Loved with everlasting love. And Lord, we all stand up and sing that. Then we'll close in prayer. It's number 160, Abhijit.
understanding. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. He is the one that we have gathered here today from the time we got here, Lord, to remember him for what he has done for us, Lord. He is the one of whom we spoke, Lord, the one who said that he will establish his church and the gates of hell uh, shall not destroy it, shall not prevail against it, Lord. We want to thank you, Father, for your church. We want to thank you uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the uh, who, who is the the uh, the head of the church, Father. We want to thank you for the love that he has for us as his church. We want to thank you, Lord, for saving us, for calling us, for uh, for uh, setting us apart from the foundation of the world to be his bride to be part of this church. We want to thank you for the privilege that is ours, Lord, uh, for the privilege that is ours and also the price that was paid, the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his blood given for us, Lord. We want to thank you that we could remember the, remember uh, through the emblems this morning, Lord, once again, the great price, the great sacrifice of our Savior, the great love uh, of, of our Savior, the great love of thee, O God, for us there that was manifested on the cross of Calvary. But also, Lord, we thank you for reminding us that we are to be different, that we are to live a life that is different, that we are to uh, to do things differently than the world, Father, that our roots are to be in heaven, Lord, even as we live here on the earth, that, Lord, we are uh, not to walk according to the world, that we are to be imitators of God. We want to thank you, Lord, Father, for for this, uh, uh, for the privilege, but also, Lord, we want to pray and ask that you will strengthen us, Lord, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will um, uh, strengthen us, Father, to live our lives in a manner that is worthy of the calling with which you have called us, Lord. We want to pray, Lord, oh, Father, that in the light of the words that we have heard, we will examine our own lives, each of us, Father, and see where you would have us change, where you would have us walk, so that our lives might be a, a, a pleasant aroma to you, Lord, a living sacrifice. Lord, we want to thank you for the church. We want to thank you for all the matters that were put before us for prayer. We want to pray for everyone who is um, not well. We want to uh, pray, O oh Lord, for uh, especially for our brother Jerry and his wife, Blessy, Lord, as the and the uh, uh, the follow-on to the transplant. We want to thank you that the surgery was successful, and we ask, Lord, for your that you would give them a full recovery. We want to pray for those who are traveling. We want to pray for uh, the mothers here, Lord, who are expecting. We want to pray for um, everyone, Lord, who might be struggling with various problems and challenges in their lives, Lord, that you will help us uh, to stand beside them in prayer and in, in wise and godly counsel, Lord, and that as a church we would continue to grow and that we would be a testimony to those around us, Lord. We want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you, Lord. For the week ahead, we pray that you will help us, Father, to live our lives as those who belong to Christ, as those who are part of his church, Father. We give you all the glory and the praise, and we pray that you will bless our time of fellowship, Father. And until we meet again, Father, we pray that you will keep us close to you, Lord, and we will keep, you will keep us walking uh, according to your word. We give you all the glory and the praise, and ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.